And do please be seated. For members of the public, I just remind them that uh, we have no uh, arrangements for a fire practice this evening, so if the fire alarms go off, follow me down the stairs and I'll be the first one out. Um, and um, we, we meet up on the area outside the council offices. Uh, and could you please turn off your mobile telephones? Thank you. So item one, do we have any apologies for absence? I've got Councillor Laughlin and... She's here for this year. Oh, she's here? Oh, hello. <laughs> and Councillor Jones, Derek Jones. Councillor Dean. Councillor Gordon. Councillor Foney. And Councillor Gordon. And Councillor Gordon. Anyone else? Thank you. In that case, we move on to the minutes of the meeting held on the 23rd of uh, February as a correct record. Great. Thank you. Um, Councillor Dean. Councillor Dean. Yeah, there's one um, minor error which actually fits in with our little confusion over Councillor Lachlan tonight because... The minutes correctly say that uh, Councillor Lachlan was, had given her apologies. However, in paragraph um, C64, she asked a question. Uh, uh, and, I, and I didn't answer it on her behalf, so somebody else needs to own up. Thank you, Chairman. Councillor Richard Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. On page 12, section C67, um, it was uh, a matter about uh, whether or not uh, how, how we defend planning um, decisions if they happen to go against officers' recommendations. The Chief Executive commented that this was not directly a budget matter and she would clarify soon by way of a protocol the position regarding the defending of planning appeals. That clarification, Chairman, unless I'm mistaken, we are still awaiting... Thank you. Is that a correction to the minutes or just merely a statement? Observation, Chairman. Thank you. Any other corrections? If not, we'll proceed uh, to Chairman's announcements, which I'm going to defer until uh, next month, the final meeting. However, I should say that we, we had a meeting with the Essex Police today uh, who've taken over the lodge uh, here at uh, Uttlesford District Council offices and we will now have a good, strong police presence here, which I'm sure you'll all welcome. Thank you. So, <clears throat> the other thing I'd like to do is to welcome uh, a group of representatives of Uttlesford Youth Council who are sitting at the back there, I believe. I don't know if you want to just stand up and show yourselves. There we are. Uh, I'd like to... like to welcome you and uh, we will be, you'll, uh, an item crops up later on in the agenda when you'll have uh, to hear what's to be said. Um, that's that. So we now move on to leaders' reports. Thank you, Chairman, and uh, I, I add my welcome to uh, the youth, members of the Youth Council. Uh, welcome to Uttlesford District Council. Um, just uh, three things, if I may, Chairman. The first, uh, very brief uh, summary for the local plan, because the Chief Executive sends out a comprehensive weekly report. Uh, but many of you will have uh, attended the six presentations from the prospective new settlement developers. I thought they were a very... Uh, um, helpful uh, analysis of uh, those various developments and enabled members to ask questions and to understand a little bit more about them. I draw your attention to uh, April, the Thursday of this week, um, which is a planning policy working group uh, meeting at 7.30, but in advance of that, at 6 o'clock, ORS, who are the consultants who we are working, or not just we, but our SMAR partners are working with on the numbers. And uh, I think that's another very important opportunity for members uh, to partake in some of the detail of the local plan. So I encourage you to, uh, to come on Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, my second uh, point is to welcome uh, Councillor Mark Lemon, who has uh, joined the Conservative group. 
on behalf of your Conservative colleagues. In fact, all uh, uh, councillors, Mark, welcome. Um, we look forward to working with you. And um, finally, under this item, uh, Chairman, it gives me very great pleasure to um, uh, ask uh, Howard Riles to join the Cabinet as an extra member. So I'm increasing the size of the Cabinet by one member. Um, Howard's uh, uh, portfolio will be Cabinet member for economic development, uh, and this will include parking and Stansted Airport. So uh, welcome, Howard, and uh, we wish you all the very best in the Cabinet. That completes my report, Chairman. Thank you. Are there any announcements by other members of the Cabinet? Yes. Councillor Redfern, thank you. Um, thank you, Chairman. Sorry. Um, I have just... I just wanted to mention something that I brought up at um, Cabinet last week, and that is that we, I've been asked again about um, unaccompanied children and Syrian refugees, and we, ha we have a dedicated page on our um, website now for anyone, if you get asked a question how people can help, it's got all the information on there, and you will be able to point people in the right direction if they if they um, look on there. If not, there is a officer named as the person to refer to. And I'm really sorry, I can't remember the um, URL. I was just looking. I don't know if um, Roger can... No. I'll, I'll ping it out as an email, or get an officer to ping it out as an email. I was just trying to find it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Any other cabinet members? If not, um, we'll move on then to matters received from the executive. There are none. Members, questions to the leader. Next. Has anybody got Councillor? Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. A question of the, uh, of the leader. In view of the extra uh, cabinet appointment, does this mean additional expenditure for the Council? Yes, it does. Are there any other questions or matters to raise? If not, uh, we'll move on to uh, committee and working groups. Um, and I'd like now, if we can, to move straight on to item 8.5, the Pilot Youth Council report, uh, and ask for that to be addressed. Thank you, Chair. Um, first of all, I'd just like to welcome you all tonight. I've worked with you earlier on, but thank you for coming. As you know, the Pilot forum first met on Saturday the 18th of March where 20 members attended. They've had a, a short meeting tonight. It has been amazing and a pleasure to be involved with these young people to set up a youth forum in Uttlesford. I know it will be a great success and a benefit to the council and the people of Uttlesford. As a council we want to know the needs and thoughts of our young people and how we can help them. And also, vice versa, I know the young people are very interested in how this council works and what we do. The youth of Uttlesford, I have found, very enthusiastic to make this a success, and I know they will. I'd like to thank members of the working group for their hard work in helping to get this project up and running. I'd also like to thank John Starr for his help and advice. We could, we could not have managed to get this off the ground without his enthusiasm for the project. I hope you have all read the recommendations on 8.5. would like to propose that this Council accepts, accepts them. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Do we have a seconder? Hold bevy of hands. I see Councillor Chambers. So that's seconded. Uh, it is now open for debate. Any comments? Anybody? Councillor Barker. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, could I ask, Chairman, without evidently identifying individuals, whether the uh, representation on the Youth Council is representative of Uttlesford as a whole? Right. Councillor Lemon. Yes, well, at the moment we've, we've 
visited all the schools barring one and we are in negotiations with them and the, the working group is now exploring ways where we can reach out to other organisations other than schools. Um, any clubs, any working groups with young people in, we should go forward because we do need to do that. And it won't just be from schools, it will be hopefully from the youth of Uttlesford. Yeah, but that wasn't my, my whatever. I wanted to know whether there was a geographical distribution of membership. Are you able to help us with that one? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. It was a, a challenge for us to try and create a youth, youth council um, in the time given. We did visit all the schools but one, and I presented to assemblies of each school, so we saw a wide range of, of, of candidates and potential uh, councillors. Um, at the moment, we have a fairly good representation across the district. Um, there are a couple, there, well, there's one school that we have pre presented to and will be submitting people, and at that point, I say we are fairly well represented geographically. Thank you. Um, is there anybody else who would like to speak on the subject? Thank you, Mr Chairman. Yes, obviously I support everything that, that, that Mark Lemon said on the subject. The working group has worked well. Um, I must say this has been two years in coming, and as you've probably noticed, I'm very passionate about it. But what, we've, what we have today is not just a pilot youth council. We have an exceptional group of people who have, have astonished me with a quality, with a depth of insight, um, and they will add value to our thinking process. Um, in talking to the young people of Uttlesford, I was surprised to find how well read they were and how informed they were. They want to be involved, they're keen to commit and get involved in society, um, and I think we should all be very, very impressed and proud of our, of our Youth Council. But might I ask also the members of this Council to take the time to actually meet with them and chat to them and feel the way I do and find out just how, how solid these people are. We've got something we should be proud of, not just at the first uh, Youth Council, but in fact the best Youth Council we could hope for. Thank you. Well, that's splendid. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. I think on that point, we might as well go to the vote. Those in favour? Thank you, that's unanimous. Passed. We now go on to review of standards, and I'd ask Councillor Knight to uh, present the Standard Committee's recommendations. You don't have to sign in to speak. <laughs> um, I hope that everybody received our um, draft on the uh, our proposed amendments to the standards, procedures and code of conduct. Um, this was brought about some time back because uh, quite a few people had felt that um, the procedures didn't seem um, fair uh, and there were things that particularly stuck out where we differed from a lot of um, district councils. Um, one particular one was where we had the monitoring officer and the investigating officer is the same person. So basically this was a judge, jury, an executioner situation. And so we started off to try and make the standards more easily understood with sort of English rather than uh, lawyers speak um, and bring it down so that we hoped that by making it more easy to understand, and appear fairer, uh, we could have more people um, stick to the standards and codes of conduct. So we didn't realise what a mammoth task we were taking on. It seemed easy until we started looking at it. And so we divided it into two task groups uh, and we were very fortunate in having the three independent members work alongside with us and the amount of work they put in was exceptional 
Um, so we, we divided it between procedures and the code of conduct. And as far as um, possible, the committee has separated the principles, requirements, interpretations, definitions uh, from the procedures in a clear way for all users. As I said, we separated the duties of the monitoring officer from those of the investigating officer and required that different people um, should uh, perform these functions. The committee considered that inclusion of witnesses, statements and evidence into the decision-making process is essential. It must be voluntary and timely. Both the complainant and member may introduce witnesses to the complaint. The process of obtaining statements and evidence from all participants must be as transparent as possible and all questioning by the investigating officer should be open and not leading. And the statements need to be finalised uh, and signed off as soon as possible. We did feel very strongly that officers' time um, and the way the procedures were were taking up an enormous amount of unnecessary time. We were getting halfway through the procedures before we actually um, spoke to the person uh, that the complaint had been made against and often by the time we got round to them we found there was no case to answer. So what we've tried to do is introduce uh, at the earliest possible time uh, a, a form of, um, not mediation, but in form of speaking to both sides to get a clearer uh, understanding of the situation before we move forward. And we put in quite a few um, posts to do that um, to eliminate so many uh, cases going forward to a hearing only to be found um, not um, of any uh, sort of uh, meat to the complaint. So hopefully by changing this round, so I'd like to look at you in that light that what we're trying to do is save officers time, also save the council money, but give a, an open clear and transparent way and allow both sides the ability to put forward witnesses. Um, I feel it's very difficult somebody um, has had a complaint made against them and they're not allowed to introduce witnesses. So it's on that basis that we hope you'll look at the procedures. Um, it's not set in stone yet and it is open to everybody, but hopefully we have covered all areas. Um, with the code of conduct, obviously there are givens and so we've basically um, based this on the Nolan principles and the maximum range of sanctions available to be applied. But we all know that this really hasn't got any teeth. Um, we've done our best to put some teeth into it by playing on people's conscience, by stating the Nolan principle in full at the beginning of the code and saying we are adhering to that code uh, and hope that it will keep the majority of councillors who um, normally operate very well uh, under control, for want of a better word, and I'm afraid the renegades will never be able to do anything about until government wakes up to the fact that if they want this really to work, then there has got to be some form of stronger sanctions in. Otherwise, at the moment, we felt it was weak. Hope you'll look at it in that light. I would like to thank all of the standards group, particularly the task groups, and a special mention to the independents because the hours put in by everybody, the amount of meetings out of hours was extraordinary. And unfortunately, what we've put before you doesn't really give a good indication of how much work went into it. Um, so obviously open to questions, criticisms and praise. Um, thank you. Do we have a seconder? Councillor Lachlan. Lachlan, would you like to speak? In that case, then we'll go to Councillor Artis. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I'd just like to um, add something, add some history to, um, to, to Councillor Knight's um, uh, introduction. And, and, and I must say that probably when Councillor Knight and myself were invited to, to be on the standards, um, committee. It was probably because we had more experience of standards and complaints than any other uh, members. However, um, the, the, when the original task groups were, were set up, uh, it, it, 
it was to rewrite the code, basically, because the code was gobbledygook. It was full of circuitous um, references, which were open to misinterpretation and misunderstanding by members and officers uh, as well. And I, wrote, I rewrote, rewrote the code in its entirety. It was reworked by Councillor Jones. And right at the beginning of, of, that, uh, of that exercise, as Councillor Knight has said, it was to incorporate the Nolan principles. These are the seven principles of public life, which is selflessness, integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty, and leadership. Now, our previous code just referred to those in an appendix. When we rewrote the code, it was to ensure that members, councillors, um, adhered, as Councillor Knight has said, adhered to that code. Now, since then, it has been watered down. So now we have something which says it is also intended to promote the adherence by members of, following principles, of the following principles. So it doesn't even promote, it's just intended to promote. It's just, it's just meaningless. So either you want people to comply or adhere to, as, as Tina has said, to the principles, or you don't. So I would like to propose an amendment. Um, and the reason I'd like to propose an amendment is, is, is I appreciate all the work that, that Tina's done and feel very sorry for the fact that there was some disagreement within the, within the Standards Committee itself. And Tina has to present the view that uh, was the majority. I'm not in the majority, but, but I do strongly feel that if this council wants members to uh, work to the uh, Nolan principles, then they should be required to adhere to them. Um, so my amendment is that, under item one, where it says it is also intended to remote the adherence by members of the following principles, simply says members shall adhere to the following principles, which I think is straightforward. It's not legal, <coughs> legal nothingness. It actually means something. And I think, as Councillor Knight has said, the code itself doesn't really have a lot of force because we have experience of, our, of parish councils which have ignored it, been censured and just ignored it again. But what we're trying to do is ensure that people realise the importance of the seven principles of public life. So that's my amendment. Do you have a seconder for that amendment? Mr Chairman, I formally second... So Goddard, yeah. Mr Chairman, I formally second and reserve my right to speak. Right. If you'd like to speak. Do you wish to speak to it now? No, I... Oh, I wish you don't wish to speak. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Councillor Dean. Mr Chairman, I'm a little bit um, confused by the process here. The, according to the agenda, the recommendation which has already been proposed and seconded is that... Uh, members decide whether to adopt the proposed code and procedures at its meeting on the 16th of May. Yeah. In other words, this is the opportunity for people to raise points. Thank you. And, and as we've already had that proposed and seconded, I don't think it's in order to take amendments on a document which we're going to consider on the 16th of May. That's my um, understanding of what we're doing. So it, it, is, it is appropriate to consider any amendments to the code this evening and then whatever that looks like at the end of that process, that is what goes forward to the annual council on the 16th of May. So Councillor Artis has proposed an amendment, Councillor Goddard has seconded it and we are debating the amendment as read out by Councillor Artis. Councillor Knight. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Well, as Councillor Knight said, this was going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, there was lots of arguments, and we did disagree. But in the end, we all came to an agreement, and before I said I would agree, I did ask Mr Pugh if legally everything was okay, and he said yes, nothing needed to be changed, the wording was fine, and I think we all said, didn't we, that's good enough for us, If we, you know, it can't be challenged as it is. And it was just 
I'm sorry, it was a bit of nitpicking, um, which we all thought as well. So um, I'm ready to stand by my original second, if you like. Thank you. Councillor Knight. And then Councillor Fairhurst. Um, Councillor Artas had put in wording that he particularly wanted, and he was specific about it. However, as uh, the legal officer stated, we cannot insist on somebody, the Nolan principle or principles to, as a guideline, we cannot enforce them. And one of the words that Councillor Artas particularly wanted in was adherence. Um, but you couldn't force it, so we felt that by putting it in capital letters, and, and I can't remember the preceding word, but basically promote adherence to it, was quite as strong as we go, but you cannot legally enforce it. So it's pointless putting in wording that couldn't be enforced. And we took that advice from um, the legal officer and came to what we thought was a, a good compromise in having inserted the words that Councillor Artas specifically wanted, which was adhered to, but we cannot have the words that Councillor Artas would like. We've tried to compromise on it because the Simon, uh, sorry, the legal officer said that it, it, you cannot do that. And consequently, the vote was, uh, there was only one person that disagreed. The rest of the committee uh, agreed to that. We also took advice from the three independent members, one of whom was a judge who um, supported what um, the uh, legal officer had said. So I think it's not a question of disagreeing. I would quite like to see Councillor Artas's words as he would like them, because I would like them strengthened up as much as possible. But at this particular time, we can only take it as far as the law will allow us to. Can't enforce something. Thank you. I'm uh, going to Councillor Fairhurst and then back to Councillor Artas. Mr Chairman, it seems a little bit obfuscation here. Both options that we have in front of us are lawful. What we're not suggesting, I think, is to impose the Nolan principles as the prevailing law um, governing our code of conduct. As I understand what Councillor Artis is suggesting, is that we adhere to them as a principle in terms of our code of conduct. And I can't understand how that's illegally, legally impossible. You're effectively saying that we subscribe to these terms as a governing principle of our code of conduct, and that it's completely lawful. They're both lawful. The question really is whether we want to be vague, or we want to imply some kind of compliance, or whether we want to make that part and part of our legal obligation. And it's a question for this council to make that decision, but to say it's unlawful is just strictly not correct. Thank you. I've got Councillor Artis again, and then Councillor Fairhurst. Sorry, Councillor yes. Redfern. Just on, on the matter of the legalities, um, the, the legal officer did present in the pact uh, an example of where another uh, council a borough council has incorporated the Nolan principles and basically it says uh, as a holder of public office and as required by law I will behave in a manner that is consistent with the following principles so basically it's requiring you to adhere to the principles so I cannot see what is wrong with this council saying a member shall adhere to the following principles rather than the sort of wishy-washy terms that we we have in here at the moment and I, all I'm asking I know I'm at odds with, such, with some members on this but I just feel I think this council should have the opportunity to, to provide a strong code of conduct rather than just some wishy-washy legal nonsense Thank you Councillor Redfern Thank you um, I think Councillor, Councillor Artis has sort of answered what I was going to ask because I was going to ask him to reread the recommendation because this has taken me a bit by surprise that there's an <coughs> amendment without seeing it written in front of us, so I'd, if you could just repeat it, that would be really useful. Yes, certainly. All, all I'm saying is, under item one of the code, uh, which says, it is also intended to promote the adherence by members of the following principles, my substitution is, is simply, members shall adhere to the following principles. Simple. Councillor Dean. Uh, Councillor Knight was correct that um, there was much debate about this um, and at the last meeting uh, we were all content, uh, not, of the Standards Committee all content, not to include the word ADEA and we had very strong advice from a member who is a retired judge 
The Nolan principles are very broad principles open to interpretation. I mean, there is one there about leadership. Um, and, and the example was given that if any one of us or any member of the public thought that a member of this council wasn't providing the sort of leadership that he or she thought was appropriate, then you could take somebody to the Standards Committee about it. Well, that would be utterly stupid. You know, the way you deal with <laughs> poor leadership is you get new leadership. Um, and, and, and the same with this. In other words, the code has got specific rules in it, shall we say, beyond broad principles that are certainly based on those principles, but to actually build, integrate these very broad principles into it where they're open to so much interpretation. We were warned that that would open up the whole council to, you know, a whole plethora of complaints because, because of because princi broad principles are open to anybody's interpretation and one person's interpretation will be different from another and that's why we use the word promote rather than adhere because adhering is, is much more rigid, you know, that um, we'd be stuck with them and uh, would have com could potentially have complaints ten a week. Thank you. Uh, Councillor uh, Hargraves. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Councillor Dean has said most of what I was going to say, but I could just pick just on one thing relating to the, the issue of, for example, leadership. Uh, if a complaint is made as a result of somebody not doing something, um, it would then mean that the, the legal officer has then, and, and the independent member has then got to make an assessment on what leadership is, uh, making a sort of a judgment which could even be a political judgment. And if it goes forward to the standards committee, then they've got to make a judgment on what leadership is and the very clear steer from the legal officer and from the independent members to the committee was that is just too onerous a duty to put upon people it is really not going to work but in the end after a lot of really quite heated debate we agreed we did agree a strengthening of the the, the wording the Nolan principles are there right at the beginning they are there you can still raise a complaint on a specific code of conduct item and then say, and in addition, it breaches one of these Nolan principles. But this point of actually making it effectively legally binding, which has felt too far to go, too wide and, and unenforceable. In the end, we all agreed, okay, we've gone as far as we can, we've made it better, and we were happy with it. Councillor Goddard, do you wish to uh, speak to the case now? She's already spoken. <coughs> She's already spoken. Mm. Councillor Goddard. I don't have I anything further, Chair. Do you wish to sum up? Councillor Artist, do you wish to sum up? Uh, only very quickly is that, uh, as I said, the initial, initial uh, intention was to simplify the, the code, and I think my amendment does, does simplify the code. Um, the suggestion that it will uh, generate a plethora of, of complaints is, is either correct, in which case people are uh, acting in, uh, not in accordance with the code, or it's not correct, in which case there won't be many more complaints. So therefore I think it's quite simple. As I said, my amendment is that members shall adhere to the following principles, and I'm, I suggest we move to a vote, but I mean it's, uh, it's, it's up to you. All those in, in favour of that amendment, the amendment's just been made. And those against? We, uh, the, the amendment is lost, but we resume the debate on the, uh, if there is any further comment to be made. If not, uh, the actual vote will take place at the full council meeting, the annual meeting. Thank you.
Right. Yes, the, the vote will be carried forward until the next uh, meeting. Thank you. Item, moving on to item 8.2, Member Officer Protocol. Councillor Artis. Oh, sorry, Councillor Ranger, where are you? Thank you, Chairman. I was just wondering whether members were trying to raise points of order in front of me. Councillor Hicks has his hand up, Chairman, so perhaps you ought to hear him first. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <coughs> it's been drawn to my attention by Don't my blame colleague me, here all of a sudden. <laughs> that there is in uh, the report here also an alternative paragraph 2 proposed by Mr Pearl. Um, no. We've had no discussion about that. Should there have been? They're the, they're the minutes of the, of the Standards Committee on the report. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Moving on to 8.2. Um, this is hopefully uh, more straightforward for members. It's a redraft of the Member Officer Relationship Protocol. Um, it, the Constitution Working Group is recommending that the Council adopts a revised Member Officer Protocol. Uh, it forms a part of the Constitution and sets the ground rules, some of the ground rules, for the relationship between the members and the officers. The revised version is not radically different from that already within the, the uh, Member's Handbook, but the revisions aim to set the protocol in a more user-friendly uh, manner, using plain language, which we all welcome. It encourages partnership and mutual respect between members and officers, and it sets out the roles of members and officers and encourages a good working relationship. It gives examples of the sorts of behaviour that will help to do this. It aims to ensure that members and officers are aware of each other's roles and their expectations. For instance, it explains to the officers the nature of the ward councillor role and it encourages officers to involve members in significant ward issues. It explains the support that members can expect from officers. Members and officers have complementary but different roles. A strong working relationship is essential for the council to achieve its, obje its objectives and to provide high quality services. The protocol is intended for that to happen and I would move the recommendation as in your papers, Chairman. Mr Chairman, I have pleasure in seconding that. I think it's all about, and it always has been to me as long as I've been on the Council, respect. Respect between the officers and the members, and the members and the officers, and long may it continue. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Artis. Thank you. Um, you may all think I'm a pedant, but, but uh, whilst the inclusion in the protocol of the need for a good working relationship and the placement of a priority on verbal communication and the judicious use of email, which has been uh, a source of some irritation to some council members, uh, is most welcome, I hope the protocol will indeed uh, strengthen the training of staff and members alike. Uh, after all, as Councillor James said, it's attitude that ensures uh, working harmony. However, there is a basic difference between the new proposed code and the old code, which I believe tips the balance and could be used to prevent members from interfering with the work of officers, or basically doing what they were elected to do. The old code acknowledges that members are advocates and representatives of their wards and the citizens who live there. They, the new code states that members are, have a mandate to represent their, word, uh, their ward. It's only a word, but advocate means a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy and or a person who puts a case on somebody else's behalf, whereas a representative means being entitled or appointed to act to speak for somebody. So I believe it is the job of our members to be advocates and representatives in doing the job. And, and in doing so, should not be considered to be seeking an unfair advantage, which is also in the code. The term unfair advantage is mentioned in both codes, but not defined. However, a member is, uh, if a member is supporting a cause or policy, so the, the so-called unfair advantage criterion would be less stringently applied 
as opposed to merely having a role as a representative. Besides, as a council member, I would expect to have an advantage in terms of access and relationships over, say, a member of the general public. So in conclusion, um, I do want members to be able to fully represent their wards and be advocates for causes they believe in without falling foul of a protocol which appears to, appears to limit members' ability. The solution is simple. We have to agree to an amendment, I would hope this time. Um, it can be added at the beginning of the end, whichever the monitoring officer thinks appropriate. The first one is that in the definition of a member, it should be as an advocate as well as a representative. And then I've got a, a paragraph at the end which... I think clarifies it for, for members, which says nothing in this protocol shall prevent or hinder a council member from fully engaging with officers of the council, including calling or attending meters, meetings or offering information and advice in the furtherance of any issue within their wards or wards with which they have responsibility. I would expect members to be able to do that anyway, but I would hate to have, to, to, to have uh, officers of the council try to restrict the activities of members because we're not advocates. So those are my, my two amendments which I'd like to propose. First of all, that the word advocate is put back in the definition of membership because I, because I believe that gives us a, a, a greater, greater strength. Uh, and also that final, final um, paragraph, which is nothing in this protocol shall prevent or hinder a council member from fully engaging with officers of the council including calling or attending meetings or offering information advice in the furtherance of any issue within their ward or wards for which they have responsibility. I can't personally see how anybody could object to that. Is there a seconder? Councillor Asker. Um, do you wish to speak on the subject? Thank you, Chairman. Um, as one who is passionate about my ward, I would fully support Councillor Artis's amendment. So, thank you. Right, OK, thank you. Right, Anybody else to speak on the amendment? Thank you. Councillor Laughlin. Well, I'm rather concerned about members of the planning committee, in which case we can't be advocates because we are not allowed to express an opinion on any application that comes in until the time of the meeting when we've heard all the evidence, read the report uh, and everything that goes with it. We cannot be advocates uh, for our ward if a planning application comes on. We can't support it or we can't not support it. So there must be an exclusion there, I think. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, I echo uh, Councillor Lachlan's uh, thoughts on that matter. Um, something just struck me and I wrote it down and I can't, can't find my note. Um, so if you'll forgive me, I'll reserve the right to come back on that. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Councillor Knight and then Councillor Wick. Um, I fully support uh, Councillor Arter's amendment. Um, I uh, personally found sometimes officers have uh, acted in good faith but without the knowledge of the board member with the particular things and I think it's important that board members are allowed to speak to officers about things without being considered unfair advantage or harassing um, members so I think it's just a question of words but I think the main thing here is communication 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 and as long as officers um, liaise with ward members are on anything that's going on in their ward, with, particularly with residents. Um, I think that the things you see. So I would support Councillor Artisman, but at the same time, I do appreciate that, that the planning committee do are put in a difficult position. So if it can be done in such a way that it can accommodate both of us, so I'd be very pleased to support it. Uh, before I sp ask uh, Councillor Hicks to speak, I understand Councillor Ranger's memory has returned. Ah, yes. Thank you, Chairman. I'm obliged. Um, something that Councillor Artis mentioned was being an advocate for a cause. That worries me because um, officers don't deal with causes. The administration sets policies, and if there's a cause to be advocated, that should be taken to the appropriate part of the administration, not to the officers. Thank you. 
Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I have to disagree with Councillor Artis. I, I don't think that part of our role is to be an advocate for, for our um, constituents within the ward. Um, represent their interests, certainly. But an advocate is someone, to me, who gives very specialised advice on particular items and matters, and uh, it, that, to, for me, is not the role of the uh, district council representative. And representative is the correct word, in my view. Councillor Chambers is next. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I wasn't going to say anything, Mr Chairman, but I would just like to say that um, nobody feels more passionate about their patch than myself. As the Liberal Democrats will know, with regard to my former patch, which was God's Little Acre, which fortunately I still have, but we are now a joint, we are now a joint uh, members now with God's Little Acre and the Chesterfords. Now, I have felt passionate about it. In all my years, I have never had a problem with the officers. The reason I think I have not had a problem with the officers is because the officers have their job to do as professionals and we have our job to do as elected members. We both have our separate roles. But if we wish to go ahead with trying to change a policy or something that's happening on the council, the committee, cabinet as it is now, or the council is the place to do it. Officers, <coughs> if they are good officers, and I believe we have got good officers here, officers put forward a professional opinion or recommendation. It is up to us as members to decide whether we go along with that recommendation or whether we wish to change it to another recommendation from elected members. That's what democracy is all about. I cannot see any problem with what is down here at the moment. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Thank you. Councillor Rolf and then Councillor Artis after that. Thank you, uh, Chairman. I, I think we just need to unpick this a little bit um, because there are comments that have been made that I fully support. Uh, Councillor Knight's point about communication I think is absolutely right. Uh, the whole point of courtesy in terms of the respect that officers show members and vice versa I fully endorse. Uh, the point about passion about your patch I'm sure we all subscribe to that. So. I think those are givens, to be honest with you, uh, but I think Councillor Lachlan makes a very important point about uh, advocate, and there are times when objectivity does have to be shown. You've quoted one example. If we went away, we might think of others. So uh, that brings me to my final point, Chairman, which is that it is very difficult to tinker in these. It would have to be taken away to really reconsider that amendment. I voted against the last amendment because we'd asked a group to go away and to come up with a proposal. They did that with due diligence. Uh, they took the appropriate advice and therefore I followed uh, that advice uh, and, and voted against the amendment. Uh, and I'm going to do the same again here because the Constitution Working Group has systematically gone through this. Uh, I think it has created the right balance. If we were to make any changes, I think they would have to be considered uh, much more um, comprehensively than we're able to do tonight because the, we will be creating breaches and potential defaults if we're not careful. So thank you, Chairman. Councillor Artis. Yes, I would just say that those uh, members of this council who think that uh, they're not advocates should actually read the previous code, which does define a member as a representative and advocate. So yes, we are advocates, but we might not be advocates if this is approved. So my, my point is very simple. My amendment, is to, which has been seconded, is to include the words advocate, in our, uh, in our definition. Now, if you wanted to, uh, to, to limit that, which the old code did uh, in terms of uh, the actions and responsibilities of members of the planning committee, then fine. Um, but by, I would like the word advocate um, included, and I would like my 
uh, second sentence included. Now, if we don't want to include it now, we can defer it and get it looked at again. But I think it's important to remember that the old code gave us responsibility of being representatives and advocates for our ward. Right, we're now going to go to the vote on the amendment. Um, and can I have those in favour of the amendment? And those against? The amendment is carried. Now we return to the debate on the substantive vote. Any other comments? Councillor Ranger, can you... Thank you, Chairman. Yes, as the uh, recommendation uh, stands, uh, it was for uh, recommending the revised protocol to be adopted. There is an amendment to that now, and I would like to suggest that we take up the leader's uh, suggestion that that revised uh, document now comes back into the offices and to the working group for further consideration for submission to council at the annual council meeting. Thank you. You've withdrawn the uh, resolution. Thank you. We have another motion on here to move the Constitution Working Group into performance and audit so if it goes back to a group that no longer exists, that might be a problem. Uh, and that won't take effect until the annual meeting. The proposal is that the change to the Performance and Audit Committee will take effect from then. So there is right. still the opportunity for the Working Group to meet between now and then. Can I therefore ask... <coughs> Council Ranger to present the Constitution Working Group's recommendations. And this is on substitutes on committees, Chairman? Substitutes and committees, yes. Thank you very much. Yes, um, another <coughs> quite simple proposal. Uh, a lot of councils have arrangements for substitutes to attend meetings when regular members of that committee can't attend. And there are many reasons why that happens, ill health, care, uh, responsibilities, etc. We don't have a scheme for substitutes, but they do help to ensure that the wide range of views that is reflected, reflective of the composition of the council is maintained as far as possible. It makes sure that also that there are enough councillors for the meeting to go ahead. Uh, the scheme for the substitutes varies between councils and the scheme proposed here seeks to retain the advantages whilst avoiding or reducing any disadvantages. The key elements of what's being proposed are each political group would be allowed two substitutes per committee. And I'm sorry, R, for you, but you're going to have to consider yourself as a political party in that respect. Substitutes would be appointed by the Council at the annual meeting on the nomination of the groups. It would therefore be clear to the public who they are. Although substitutes would only be able to vote in the absence of the principal member, they would otherwise be treated as full members of the committee. They would receive the agendas and the briefing papers and they would have undergone the training necessary to take part as that part of that committee. Substitutes on licensing and planning would need to undertake training before they could take part in any decision. It would be responsibility of the member who is unable to attend to make arrangements for substitution and they should inform democratic services offices in advance. The substitute would attend for the whole meeting. Substitutes won't be allowed for just part of the meeting. So if you arrange a substitute, you stay away. I mean, we can't enforce you to stay away but if you come, you just take a back seat. That, Chairman, is the proposal, and I recommend that uh, that be adopted. Thank you. Is there a seconder? Councillor Rolf, do you wish to speak? No. In that case, <coughs> we'll go to the vote. Does anybody have any? Uh, any other comments before we go to vote? There being no other comments, we'll go to the vote. Those in favour? 
Those against? None to be seen. Thank you. We now go on to proposals for changes to performance and audit committee. Um, again, Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the report in front of members sets out a proposal to change the status and remit of the performance and audit committee. Changing the status of that committee from a scrutiny committee to that of an ordinary committee of the council. Some of the responsibilities of the committee are not scrutiny functions and should not be carried out by a scrutiny committee, including approval, approving internal, external rather, audit reports and approving the annual statement of accounts. Strengthening the role of the committee by giving it, giving it a clear responsibility for governance as well as its current remit, it will take on the roles of the Constitution Working Group and the Electoral Working Group, which would no longer be needed. It would also be able to make decisions or recommendations to Council on a wider range of governance matters, subject to consideration of the detailed terms of reference at a Council meeting on the 16th of May. No powers are taken away from the Performance and Audit Committee and the role of the Scrutiny Committee is not being changed. So therefore, Chairman, I uh, would like to propose the acceptance of recommendations under clauses 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7 of the papers. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a seconder? Okay. Councillor Oliver, do you wish to speak? Uh, no, not at this stage, Chairman. Thank you. Any other comments? In that case, we'll go to the vote. Those in favour? Unanimous. That's carried. Thank you. We now move on to uh, political balance of the Council and I call upon Peter Snow to uh, take us through that. I'll try to keep this brief. Um, a review of political balance is carried out annually and at other times as requested. And recent election results and changes in party allegiance have altered the political composition of the Council. And as you know, Councillor Parry, or former Councillor Parry, has now resigned. Following the Elsenham and Henham by-election, the residents of Ruttlesford Group requested a review of political balance. And the result of that is set out in the report. The allocation of seats on committees must be made in accordance with the four principles set out in paragraph 5. And the table in paragraph 14 sets out the proposal for the allocation of committee places. And the extra seat allocated to the Conservative Group means that three of the four committees must be split 6-3-1 between the three groups and one committee is 7-2-1. The Council is asked to agree the proposed allocation of seats and uh, that will all be done again, I'm afraid, at the annual meeting in, in, in May and we'll start again with the nomination process and obviously that will depend to some extent on the result of the by-election at Newport on the 4th of May. Thank you. I believe Councillor Rolfe will pr put the proposal. Um, Chairman, it was just on page, paragraph 8. We are referring to 40 seats. We have 39 seats on this council, so I don't quite understand the 40 seats bit. Uh, yes, in response to Councillor Barker, the 40 seats is the 40 seats on the four standing committees of the council, rather than, sorry, it's, it's a bit confusing because we have 39 seats, 38 at the moment because there's a vacancy, but we're considering on the basis of 40 seats, and that's how the balance has been calculated. Thank you, Chairman. I'm pleased to uh, propose this, although it is a essentially a mathematical exercise and is already written into our constitution so I'm just proposing what is already there. Uh, as far as um, I'm concerned I, I won't be um, making any appointments until the annual meeting uh, on the basis we've still got another election so the balance could change again after, before the annual meeting but as it, uh, as it stands today, uh, this is the situation, but obviously at annual council, it could well change, Chairman. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a seconder? Councillor Barker. Do you wish to speak? No. In that case, we'll go straight to the vote. Those in favour? Unanimous, and that's carried. Uh, now we come on to item 10 uh, and I'll call upon Peter Snow to set out the position in relation to vacancies.
based that on, and the proposed allocations are set out in that supplementary paper as sent to all members. Um, as far as the planning committee is concerned, uh, it's proposed there should be no change. Licensing and environmental health, there are two vacancies, uh, one from the residents of Ruttlesford and one from the Liberal Democrat group, and it's proposed that that should be the 7-2 split, 7-2-1 split rather than 6-3-1. And uh, we've received one nomination from the Liberal Democrat group, um, leaving one vacancy because the Conservative group are not at this stage um, nominating anybody. And that's set out in the paper as well. The scrutiny committee, there are no vacancies, but the change in the allocation of seats uh, means that um, uh, there should be a change from uh, one Liberal Democrat to one resident Ruttlesford member. And we've received a nomination from the residents group to fill that vacancy. Councillor Sell will be moving from uh, scrutiny committee to licensing committee. And there is remaining one remaining vacancy on the performance and audit committee, and that stands to be filled by the residents Ruttlesford group. But again, no nomination has been put forward for that change. Are there any comments? If I could call upon Councillor Rolfe. Well, to if I could please. just uh, clarify the <coughs> numbers on the. Um, the licensing and the balance of the licensing committee. Are we setting that in stone if we make that decision tonight? So that's amendable at the annual meeting. Okay, thank you. Uh, any other comments? Otherwise, I'll, I'll call upon Councillor Rolf to put that as a proposal. Thank you. I so propose, Jim. Seconder? Councillor yeah, Redfern. Those in favour? And that's unanimous, I think. Carried. Thank you. I call upon Councillor Howe to uh, uh, put the next proposal in regard to indemnity for the returning officer. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Uh, Councillors, um, you all have read the paper. The returning officer carries personal uh, liability for the conduct of elections. Uh, and while we take out insurance, there is an excess which currently the returning officer is potentially liable for. Uh, in the case of public liability, that would be £1,000 and £5,000 in respect of employers' liability. Our policies apparently ensure that no excess applies for the conduct of elections by the returning officer the recommendation in front of us tonight is that the council indemnifies the, the returning officer against any excess or liability not covered by the relevant insurance policies that we have in place. I think that's a, an eminently sensible and reasonable position for us to take to ensure that the returning officer is not personally liable for something that he or she is doing on our behalf and I therefore move the recommendation. Thank you. Uh, so you proposed to effectively. Yes. Is there a seconder? Councillor Ranger, do you wish to speak on the subject? No. In that case, if there are no comments, I will go to the vote. Those in favour? It's carried. Thank you. Now move on and invite nominations for the posts of Chairman and Vice-Chairman of the Council. Can I please have nominations for the post of Chairman of the Council? Councillor Rolfe. Chairman, it gives me very great pleasure to propose Councillor Geoffrey Sell, who is your current Vice-Chairman at the moment. It was my pleasure to propose him as the Vice-Chairman, and it's my pleasure to propose him now. I won't repeat what I said at the last Council meeting, um, but it's been my pleasure, my honour I guess, to have attended a huge number of civic um, services, dinners and everything else. And I have recognised, come to recognise the very important role that um, council chairman, mayors, whatever your status is, um, uh, th that they hold. Not only do they uh, chair this meeting, they are the ambassadors for the council and they are a vital connection with the wider world, with, with our community and with particularly the voluntary sector. I, I, I know that Councillor Sell will fulfil this uh, very ably, so it gives me great pleasure in nominating him, Chairman. Thank you. I would like to, Councillor Dean... Oh, you've beaten me to it. I was going to propose him... I was going to second it myself, if that's all right. Thank you very much indeed. So, seconded. Those in favour? Yeah. Oh, we don't need to vote. 
there are no more nominations for chair. No. Right, can I have your nominations for the vice chairman, please? It also gives me very great pleasure, for all the reasons that I outlined the, uh, for the chairman, uh, to nominate uh, Councillor Leslie Wells as vice chairman of the council uh, to uh, Councillor Sell. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a seconder? I thought I saw Councillor Lodge's hand go up, but it came down very quickly. Councillor Laughlin. You're happy to do that. So it's proposed and seconded. Are there any other nominations? Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. I, I would like to um, propose uh, a, a, an extremely um, experienced and uh, capable councillor, and that is uh, Councillor Richard Freeman. Do you have a seconder? We have uh, Councillor Morris. Did Councillor Anjum want to nominate someone? Oh, right, thank you. Are there any other nominations? The, the nomination is received or the persons nominated will go forward for an automatic election as chairman of the, of the annual meeting on the 16th of May. If there's more than one nomination is received, both names will go forward to a vote at the annual meeting under Article 5 Constitution, page 2 and 18. That's it. Uh, so we now move on to item 13. Uh, and I have no items uh, arising. So I would like to propose that we go under section 1001 uh, to exclusion of the public. And I have Councillor, Cha Councillor Chambers to second that. And I will second that. Thank you. All in favour? Carried. For those members of the Youth Council,